This week's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 27. It is on page 540, if you're using one of the church Bibles. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The word of the Lord. Last week I introduced our new sermon series, um, Accountability and Discipline. And so we talked about like what it means to be accountable to one another in the church uh, and how sometimes when uh, we continue in a a pattern of unrepentant sin that can lead to something called church discipline. Uh, And we'll be talking about that more through this series. And that's kind of like a a very serious topic, right? Very somber, very serious. Uh, And so I thought maybe I would kick off today's uh, sermon with a, a, a hymn of sort, a very like serious, theologically rich uh, song. And so why don't we just, um, I'm going to actually have us all stand for this song and, uh, and participate if you feel so led. And go ahead and uh, click play. And... Shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes, and eyes, and ears, and mouth, and nose. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Let's try it a little faster. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes, and eyes, and ears, and mouth, and nose. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Faster? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes, and eyes, and ears, and mouth, and nose. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. All right, good job for participation. I thought my son might enjoy that. Uh, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I, I couldn't keep up with that. Andy, you look like you were doing a pretty good job of it. Mary, you looked pretty good at uh, keeping up with that. I love that song because it just talks about the body, right? It talks about the different parts, your head, your shoulders, your knees, your toes, your eyes and ears. And, and the scripture actually uses that same illustration, the body, to talk about the church, like a human body. Uh, and so when we read about this, we wonder, like, where do I fit into the church, right? If I'm a part of the body, like, am I the head? Like, am I the, am I the intellectual thinker that's, that's preaching the sermons, that's planning, that's strategic, offering words of wisdom? Maybe I'm the shoulders. Maybe I'm the, the workhorse of the church. Like, you, you tell me to do a task, I will do it. Uh, you're, the, you're the kind of person that always 
helps move the chairs whenever we need the chairs moved. Maybe you're the knees. Maybe you're the kind of person who is always praying for the church body. You're getting down and you're asking the Lord, Lord, would you uh, be uh, bringing healing to those that are sick? Would you be uh, bringing uh, your, your life and vitality to the church body? Maybe you're the toes. The Bible talks about the, the feet that bring the scripture, like the feet that bring the gospel, the good news. Maybe you love to share about Jesus. You love to talk about him. You're the feet. You're the toes. We didn't talk about the other parts of the church body, the hands, maybe like the church belly button. I don't know. Is that a thing? He talked about the like under, you know, the, the parts we don't uh, represent. Maybe we all have a place where we can fit in and be a part of the church body. I think if you know Jesus and our relationship with him, it's important to start seeing yourself as a member of this body, to start identifying yourself as like, I'm not just my own body, I'm a piece to a greater body. And so kind of what I want to start with is by just saying that like, you matter to the church body. You matter to the church body. If you know Jesus, you're a part of this church family, you come, you're you're here, you're giving. You're a part of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I think that's so encouraging when we come to church and we think about, like, how can I contribute? And if you're ever like, I can't do anything. Well, the Bible says, well, if you're one of those weaker parts, you're an important part, right? The, the, if you can't do anything, like maybe you're the most valuable of us because you have something to offer just by your presence, by who you are. And so we all have some way that we can contribute. Verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which one more presentable parts, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. See, we care about everyone in our church. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor or the worship leader or uh, buildings and grounds or, or whoever you are, a greeter or not yet plugged in. Like, we care about you. And I think that's really good. Like, we want to see each other as valuable. Because when we do this, there is, there's this sense of unity, there's this sense of the parts kind of fitting together. Verse 25 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We were actually talking about this in our Christian education hour this morning and how uh, we kind of grown up in a uh, kind of a, a Christian environment where, uh, you know, salvation is about me, right? I get saved from my sins so that I can go to heaven. And when we see it that way, there's not, there's not untruth to like, there's truth to that. Like, you know, you do get saved, but God is saving us unto a people, to be part of a, a greater group of people, the people of God, to see ourselves corporately, to see ourselves as, as the piece of a much greater whole than to see ourselves as like the the end thing, the end goal. And so you matter to, to the church body. And 
And we begin to sense this and see this in our, in our own congregation, in our church experience when, well, someone gets sick. What does the other people do? We, we pray for them. We feel for them. Maybe we make a meal and show up and give it to them to try to help out. When one member suffers, and that way we all suffer, and then we all come together. When one member is honored, all rejoice together. When, you know, when one member has a great achievement, oh, I, I, I graduated high school, college. Like, we celebrate that. We're excited for each other. When, when someone gets a, a promotion or, uh, uh, or some sort of success at work or in their family, like, we're excited about that and we rejoice together. We see ourselves as part of something greater than just the individual. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Verse 27. See, we don't lose our sense of of being an individual. But we do see our sense of individualism through how it connects to the greater body. So we don't see ourselves as separate, but a part of the whole. So we are the church body. We are a family. Do you know that you matter? Do you know that you matter? I want you to know that you matter. We want you here. Uh, the, one of the illustrations that I really love is uh, the, the redwood, uh, the redwood trees, redwood forest. Uh, you know, some of these trees are the tallest uh, trees in the world. <laughs> uh, and some of them are the, they're not the oldest, but they're very old trees. Uh, some of them are as old as 2,000 years. So like they were around when, when Jesus was born. And they typically grow between 200 and 240 feet tall. That's pretty big. The Statue of Liberty is 305 feet. And the tallest tree that they have found is a tree called Hyperion. Such a great name. Uh, and it's 379 feet tall. 379 feet tall, these massive trees. And yet their roots don't grow that deep. The roots of these incredibly tall trees grow between 6 and 12 feet deep. But they, they, they stretch out sideways and, and around them. They like fan out hundreds of feet, intertwining and interlacing with the other roots of the other trees. That's what gives them their strength, not because they are strong on their own, but because they are strong together. And even when one of these mighty redwood trees is felled, it can still give life to the other trees through its roots. It can still, uh, it can still nourish the community. And that's what we're doing as a church body. We're, 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 we're trying to build something. We're trying to come together and grow, grow eternally together, nourishing one another and encouraging one another and sticking together so when the wind blows, we, might, we may sway, but we'll stand secure. We'll stand firm because we're interlocked. Maybe even someone passes, someone leaves us. I can think of church members that have left us, have gone to be with the Lord, and, and yet their legacy is still living on. They're still encouraging us, right? We remember them, their example. So we want to hold one another up. We want to be a church body that sticks together like this great redwood forest. 
Each of us, each tree, each root system matters to the community, matters to the body. So the question is, like, are you a forest or are you like one of those trees in the prairie that's just kind of like by itself? Are you allowing your root system to interconnect with other trees, with other members of the church body? There's only one way to do that. That's time. Just spending time together with your church family and taking the initiative to be together. And we do that, right? When we come together and we worship, we do Christian ed. It's also making sure that that we as a church body are staying interconnected in other ways, that we're calling one another during COVID. If, if a family can't show up, that you're, we're, we're, maybe we're doing the drive-by wave, calling one another, writing uh, encouraging notes to one another, staying connected. And I want to talk about ways that we can identify with the church body. And we're going to see how this all kind of ties into accountability and, and discipline, but I want to talk kind of about three ways that we identify with our church body. And to identify means to like align your life with, to, to, to your, align your, your actions, your beliefs with it. The first one is just to recognize Jesus as your head. See, I'm not the head of the church. No person in our community is head of the church. Even though we sing in that song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. No, Jesus is our head. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 5. Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. That's kind of weird to think about. Like, no other organization in this world or institution, like your local fire department doesn't see Jesus as the top fire chief. Your local police station doesn't see Jesus as the the head officer. Our government doesn't see Jesus as the president. But when it comes to the church, we see Jesus as our head. We see Jesus as the one who is in charge. We identify him as the one who is ruling us. It's a theocracy that just, God, God's in charge. Jesus is in charge. And so that's what he is as, a commu- as like kind of a community, but that, that also has to come down to the, the individual. See, to be a part of the church, you have to see Jesus as your head. Christ needs to be the one leading your life. To come to him and say, I submit to you, you're my king. Jesus says, that's great. Are you part of my kingdom people? My church body? See, when we function kind of ignoring Jesus, but, but kind of saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, it kind of puts us in this like lukewarm category. And really we're like this, you've seen the, the, the headless horseman right? That's not a a nice fairy tale. (laughs) Someone who runs around and hurts people. The headless horseman. We don't want to be like that. We want to have Christ as our head who's leading us, who's guiding us. So the first way we identify with the church body is to recognize Jesus as our head. That has to start individually. Jesus, you're my leader. But then recognize that Jesus leads the local church. And how can we commit to that? Number two is commit to the church body. Now, I want to talk a little bit about church membership, right? That word member comes from this idea of being a part of the body, right? My hand is a member of my body. I, I, I am made up of members, different organs, different things. 
And so we identify with the church when we intentionally commit to the church. Say, I want to be a part of this community in a special way. Now, at Cornerstone, we, we have something called a covenant, and that kind of reflects what we see in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus making a new covenant. In the Old Testament, people were covenant people. Covenant means promise. They kind of promise themselves to each other and to God. And so we kind of follow that pattern. We say, we're going to make a covenant, a commitment to one another in our church context. Now, if you open the Bible and you search through the pages, you will not find a page that says, thou shalt become a church member. <laughs> and sometimes I even wrestle with the concept of membership because it feels very like our culture, our context. You have to, you know, would we have like a membership role if, if we didn't live under like uh, being a nonprofit, being a church kind of in our, our, our governmental system? But... The Lord does want us to commit to a church community, to not primarily think about ourselves as individuals. And that's, that's why we have membership. It's a way for us to formally say, I identify as a part of the whole instead of identifying as an individual who chooses to kind of be a part of this community, but, but not necessarily on that community's terms, but on my terms. And that's what it comes down to, right? So I do think you're a member of the body by being here, giving, serving, knowing Jesus, being baptized. But there is a, a special way to say, you know what? I'm going to come out, I'm going to say I am a member. And that's where we get membership. It's an intentional commitment. It's an, it, it, honestly, it, it is an act of submission. Like it is. Like, I, I don't know if I would become a member unless I was really recognized that this is an opportunity for me to submit to my church leadership and to submit to the greater church body, to be intentionally accountable to brothers and sisters in Christ. I think it's okay to, rec to kind of wrestle with it, but recognize at the end of the day it comes down to being submissive to the, the community that God has given you and its leadership. And so that's something that we probably need time to process and continue to wrestle with. Uh, one of the ways I want us to do that, and the, the elders have asked us to do that, is by picking up this book. It's called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rayner. Uh, we have some copies in the back, uh, so you can pick up a, a free copy, and we would ask all of our already members to please read this. We're including it in our uh, membership class going forward. Uh, and you can get it from the library probably, you can get it here, you can borrow a copy from here and bring it back, you can keep a copy. Uh, or if you're just interested in like, what is church membership, please pick it up. This is not a theological treatise so much on church membership. It definitely goes into it with the Bible. It's more about like, what does it mean to operate as a part of the body in the context of the local church? So it's uh, 79 pages, it's a short read, but I think it's well worth it. So first, we recognize Jesus as our head. We commit to the church body. And third, we love the church. See, Revelation describes the church, the church like our church, our, our broken, insufficient, insecure people. <laughs> I'm one of them. Like the Revelation, the last book in the Bible, describes us as the bride of Christ. Right? Like, I'm a bride. <laughs> You're a bride if we know Christ. 
and is a beautiful bride. Ephesians 5, 25-27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So we get this picture, it's like Jesus is sanctifying, like Jesus, if he's the head of the church, he's, he's washing his body, he's, he's, he's cleansing her, he's making his bride ready for that great wedding day when we come back together uh, and, the, and Jesus returns. And it's this beautiful picture of God working out our holiness in our lives and in our church body. That one day we will be ready And if Jesus loves the church, and I'm to be like Jesus, that means we're to love the church. See, Jesus, he sees us for who we are, but then he also sees us for who he is making us into. And in Revelation, we see this beautiful wedding photo. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. This is all the believers on that final day. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And what I love about this passage is it kind of contrasts. The other one is that like Christ is getting us ready, and then we're getting ready. And one of the ways we get ready is by just committing to the church, by loving her, by embracing her. And that's really difficult because the church is made of people. The church is not a building, but it's a, it's a, it's a group of people, and we're messy, and we're broken, and we hurt each other. And yet Jesus, uh, Jesus loves us. And he says to love one another. We have to love the local church. We have to, to love a church as believers because the church is Christ's bride. And if you want to be in relationship with Christ, you have to be in relationship with his bride. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to be friends with someone and been like, you know, I love you, but I hate your wife, <laughs> it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You have to love the groom and the bride. So we identify with the church body by recognizing Jesus as our head, committing to the church body, and loving the church. And this is where accountability and discipline uh, uh, fits in because like, part of that commitment to the church, part of loving her, part of submitting to Jesus is recognizing that we get sick. We get spiritually sick. We get caught in sin. And so... Christ has given us each other to help each other out. See, when the body gets sick, we need each other and we need Christ. I talked about, like, we need help for the Christian walk last week. And that's what accountability and kind of this concept of discipline is, is that, like, we're willing to talk to each other about, you know, sin. To say, hey, I see this place in your life that, like, like where's Jesus in that? How can you turn to Christ in that? Because if we don't, what is, where does sickness lead, lead? Like spiritual sickness leads to eternal death. Like our sin leads to eternal separation from God's love. And so we want to deal with that. And this is why God gives us a church family to, to kind of go along on this journey together. To go on this kind of hike to, the, to, to the, the, the far country. I have a friend who, uh, her and her friends, uh, Jim friend, she was hiking the Appalachian Trail, like parts of the Appalachian Trail, just like a segment of it. And uh, they, were, they were going along this hike and they met, um, they met a couple who had been hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. 
uh, but uh, they were vegan and they hadn't packed enough food. And so about 50% of their diet was coming from foraging mushrooms and berries. I was just like, wow, are you kidding me? So this couple, like they're starving and they were gonna go to this AMC hut and I guess the AMC hut closed at 4.30 and they got there at like 4.40 and that's where they were gonna buy their food and so now they're like on the Appalachian Trail, they're starving. They needed help. They needed someone who could come along and say, here's a way that we can encourage you and sustain you in this journey. And thankfully, I think God put my friend in their path because my friend, she had some vegan food and then her friends who were with her, they had like a bunch of extra vegan food of all the things. They were able to give that food to the hikers. They were able to kind of continue on their journey. See, Jesus knows just what we need for our journey. Maybe you don't need like vegan food. <laughs> Maybe you do. Maybe you need something else. Maybe you need a word of encouragement. Maybe you need someone to come alongside you and just love you in a difficult time when you're sick or you're emotionally down or you're just tired or whatever it is. Or maybe you're called to be that person. And this is why we come together as a church body because we're on a journey <laughs> and it's difficult. Appalachian Trail is really hard. The, the Christian life is much more challenging in some ways and yet much easier because we have Jesus and we have each other and we can encourage one another and keep going, keep pressing forward. And ultimately, our, our healing, our health, our nourishment, it comes from Christ Jesus. Because he sees us in our sin and our brokenness, starving and alone, and he comes and he rescues us, and he rescues us to a greater people. He forgives us, he washes us clean, he makes us new. He says, I will give you rest. I will give you encouragement, I will give you commitment, I will give you a body that can carry you along. And Jesus does this, right? He makes us a part of his body by laying down his body for us. Right? Jesus had to literally get whipped on the back to get scourged so, so much so that like, you couldn't recognize who he was. Bloody and beaten and broken. And that was, that was the entrance fee for us becoming a part of the body of Christ. It's like he exchanged his body for you and for us so that he could forgive us of our sins and make us holy and clean and pure. And if you've never uh, heard of that, or if you are not a part of a church body, how you become a part of the body of Christ first is simply repenting of your sins and saying, I'm sinful, I'm broken, I need Jesus. Jesus can forgive me. That's what he did on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sin. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just a prayer. The next phase is, Becoming a part of a community, becoming a part of that body, walking that Christian journey, that, that pilgrimage to the far country. And that's why we need each other. That's why, that's why you matter. And that's why we intentionally commit to one another, to walking this journey together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you for 
those who are members and those who are not yet members but are thinking about it. Lord, help us to commit to you first of all and then one another. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak and, and convict us and uh, to help us function as one kind of cohesive unit. Lord, the wind does come and the, we will sway in the storms. But we know that with you and with each other, we can stand firm. We love you, Jesus, our head, our king. It's in your name we pray. Amen.